Unfiltered by Jade. Jade. Welcome to the Unfiltered by Jade, where we get out of the box and dive into topics that are sidelined. I look forward to entertain, educate, and inspire. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, donate, and make everybody know about it. Beats by RB Records. Shopping assistance, your style, your budget. Our services include online and local shopping for individuals and businesses, personal shopping, purchasing of company and office supplies, importing and exporting small packages across Jamaica and worldwide, and helping you find unique gifts and items for all events and occasions. Contact us at 876-919-5195 or shoppingassistance2015 at gmail.com. Shopping Assistance, your style, your budget. Welcome back to the Unfiltered by Jade. Today we have with us a lovely lady. And you will get the energy from her personality when you hear her start speaking. Her name is Mandy Lemon, and I'm going to ask her to just introduce herself to you. Good morning and good afternoon and good day wherever <laughs> you are. I know <laughs> your lovely host here and I, we are sitting here trying to get it together on this day. <laughs> but we will. we will. I believe we'll conquer. We'll conquer. <laughs> Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my name is Mandy Lemon. I'm originally from Eastern Kentucky. Think of, um, oh, brother, where art there, thou? Uh, that's kind of where I'm from, um, uh-huh. at, like in the mountains. But I um, ended up growing up um, at an orphanage in Eastern Kentucky um, when I was, after when I was seven. My father. Do you want to hop into that now, or do you want to just give me look at what I do? I'm a you know what you know what we're going to go right into it. Okay, because it's, it's, so it. it's a lot. It's a lot. So I, right now, I'm a podcaster, and I've written a book called The Fostered One, mm-hmm. uh, based on my childhood experience in the foster care system. And I always like to drop this knowledge when you are looking at your friends, or you've heard of someone being incarcerated. One in four people who are incarcerated are foster children. One in four. And it goes up even higher. Yes, one in four. And it goes up even higher if your parent was also a foster child or had something to do with the system. So I'm going to drop that knowledge with you there. So you think about your hands. One in four people on your fingers are foster children and they're incarcerated. And it doubles, doubles if your parent or their parent was um, in in foster care as well. So with that said, let's backtrack on me. Um, I um, had a brutal thing happen. So if you're squeamish, this is this is not for you. But um, my father broke into our house when I was um, six years old. I was getting ready to turn seven. I always say seven. And um, brutally, brutally murdered my mother, stabbed her over 40 times. And when I went to the parole board, I haven't really talked about this, but a friend of mine said for me to talk, because I did go before the, ah, this, this part tears me up. You're already making me cry. I did go before the parole board when he was up for parole after his incarceration for 20 years. And at the parole board meeting, they said that the crime, just the scenes, the pictures were so horrific. It was one of the worst crimes that they'd seen. 
And we're talking 20 years later after what had happened to me. Flashback, my father breaks into our home, brutally murders my mother, uh, stabs her over 40 times, stabs me 13. Um, my sister at the time, uh, she was able, she was also injured. There was another person, but she's asked me really not to del- delve into hers. Right. Um, so she, um, um, but they managed to capture him after my mother used her own body to shield me and put me on the roof. There was an off-duty police Jesus. officer coming home that night. So shout out to our police force um, uh, who was coming home that night. And he rushed up and, and saved our lives. Um, to be yeah, to be honest with you, he saved our lives. Uh, if, he, if he hadn't been coming home at four o'clock in the morning, and I wake up to this day still at four o'clock every morning, every morning. I've done that. My ex-husband will tell you that I wake up at four o'clock. I will be awake for 30 or 45 minutes and then I'll go back to sleep. Isn't that crazy? I think it's also related to the trauma. Yes. The trauma happened oh, yes. around that time. Oh. So that is why you get up instinctively because of the trauma that took place. Oh, yes. I think my my instincts and my spirit wake back up. I don't know if whether to save myself. I think that's a great. You're the first person who's caught on to that. I appreciate you you, you interjecting on that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, so after that, um, no one wanted the little black girl whose white uh, mother was murdered by her black father. So they sent me to an orphanage in eastern Kentucky where I still was the same. I was pretty much the only African-American child there at most times. And while I was there, um, some crazy, crazy, horrific things happened. Whether it was, um, you know, being forced to eat certain foods or drink, you know, rotten milk or um, just um, just being punished um, for, I guess, being a child. One time there was a group of us I haven't told. I'm trying to tell different stories. There was a time where we were um, laughing in our dorm room. So think of a college dorm. That was kind of how the the children's home was set up. And we were laughing there. And then, you know, laughter is contagious. We all had to sleep with our doors open. So we were laughing and we all got our butts whooped at the children's home for laughing at night. And we're going to bed as teenagers at like, you know, 7.30 at night, which is crazy. (laughs) Unless we were in church. Yeah, that's crazy. So you can see how that, you know, being spanked for laughing. So I'm I'm big on laughter now. I want to, I want laugh and joy. So fast forward to um, my life. I graduate, I go to college. They kick me out. It kind of came to me the day after graduation, they being the children's home after graduation and said, we're, we're going to have to ask you to leave. You're 18. We can't have you here with anyone younger. So um, they did allow me to stay. I stayed in um, the children's home. I slept in the garage <laughs> of oh. the of the um, home master's home for a while, for about, I guess, a month and a half. Because again, no one wanted the little black girl in Eastern Kentucky. Um, so um, I ended up going to college with $5 in my pocket. My biological aunt came, took me, took what little things I had. And you know, nowadays, I mean, you younger folks, you're setting up your dorm room. I walked in and my roommate has sheets and pillows and things of this nature. And I've got like one pillow and I have a blanket. And she had, it was the first time I'd seen Bath and Body Works. And now I'm obsessed with it. And yes. I, I'd never seen Bath and Body Works. And I had seen all these things only to realize that I was not, you know, equipped for college. And that's Mm -hmm. that's the platform that I speak of. And then I ended up um, working two two jobs. I said two and a half because I was an RA. I worked in the library and I also worked as a hotel clerk. So I have so much respect for those folks. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went to, um, graduated from college. As I was getting ready to graduate, I was, had an internship at a TV station in Lexington, Kentucky. One day this reporter just got PO'd, 
walked out the dang door. And the next thing I know, like I'm on air. So that's super cool. So I'm in college. I, I, I remember my first story was Roy Kidd, who is the, um, the football coach there at Eastern Kentucky University, where I graduated from his 300th win. And I remember standing there on the sidelines thinking, OK, this is this is what I want to do, because people are like, hey, put me on camera. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm on camera. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> loved it, mm-hmm, loved mm-hmm. it, loved it. But then I ended up marrying um, the local sports anchor uh, from the NBC affiliate. And we were together for 17, almost uh, almost 20 years by the time it was totaled, totaled out. Almost 20 years. Married um, 17, 18. Oh, my God. 2004, 18. Um, and I, um, my, we adopted a little boy because we faced infertility. So I know a lot of women these days. Um, have that question as they're facing infertility, should I adopt from foster care, private adoption? So we did all three. We adopted foster care and private adoption. Um, so um, our our first son, Gavin, fantastic kid, absolutely makes me want to cry. Love the kids so much. Just got the greatest spirit. And then our son, Michael, went down a horrible, horrible path. Um, he reconnected with his, his biological mother, who was the foster child I spoke of. And um, when, upon that reconnection, he started doing some really, really wild things. He said he didn't want to be the little rich kid because we'd built this beautiful, beautiful life. My uh, ex-husband and I had a half a million dollar home. I'm driving the Mercedes. We've got a pool in the backyard, a theater in the house. We have this beautiful life. Um, ne- ne- never worry about finances. You know, we're kind of the, the local celebrities. We get to, you know, skip the line when we go places. Um, but my son did not seem to understand that he could also have that life. And um, he one night high on drugs um, in a, I, I, I'm assuming it's game related. That's what I've been told. Gang related activity um, shot into the wrong house. Those shots hit a five year old little boy. A wrong, first of all, shooting at someone's horrific, but then to shoot into the wrong house and hit a child who is now blind and cannot taste and just his life, you know, I, I mean, he'll have a life, but his life has been robbed of him as he should know it as a little boy mm-hmm. um, should be. So, yeah, so he shot into the wrong house. So now we've gone from make, being the news and making the news to like being the news. We are now when we go to court, cameras are there and they're focused on us and our family instead of us being behind the camera, focusing on other families. So with all that said, it led to me having a complete and utter mental meltdown. I went from having, um, I I remember I called my ex-husband at one point in time um, and I couldn't find my car because I'd lost my, I lost a Mercedes. (laughs) That sounds crazy, but that's how whacked out of my mind was. And I went from, this is a, this is a person, my personality who was um, top in my company uh, for sales, over $25 million in sales in, in mortgages and for CRA, low to moderate income folks. And that's that was my passion. So you can see how just that horrific post-traumatic stress disorder can be for someone. Um, cool. I ended up getting back on the right medication, which I'm and meditating and taking self-freaking care of myself. I started mm-hmm. taking care of myself instead of focusing on making sure everyone else was okay and have done a complete 360 or 180, and I am I am completely um, changed by this. Um, and I do believe God had to kind, had to strip me of all of those other assets and values for me to find my own value within myself to be 
to be transparent with you because I lost my value within myself. I was so caught up in being my ex-husband's wife or my son who's a girl. We have a younger son, my son's mother, because he's such a great athlete or the case that was facing us or my nephew's aunt. You know, I got so caught up in everyone else's genre and everyone else's niche that I, I didn't have my own, even though I knew it was within me. I knew it was there. I knew the book was there. I knew all of those things were within me. And I decided that I would just take a step back. I was okay with being the wind beneath their wings, but it robbed me of my wings. Mm-hmm. I did that. So, so here we are today. I'm sitting here in beautiful, sunny Tampa, Florida. Uh, my dog Milo travels with me. So I have an, uh, a home down here, a little condo down here. And that is where I am now. I am finishing up a sci-fi book. I've already written my autobiography and I'm doing podcasting and I am um, doing public speaking and I love that motivational speaking. And that's kind of where my heart is. Nice. I want to know how does um, adopting a child change the impact of rejection that you feel? Oh my goodness. That, because you, you do, that's, that's a great question. I, I laid in bed one day for three days, well, three days, on, on, to be honest with you, three days I laid in bed when I thought we were not going to be able to adopt Michael because I felt so worthless if you can attach worth to not being able to produce a child. Yes. I felt so absolutely worthless, heartbroken, disgusted with myself. I felt... Um, um, like I was not good enough for my husband. I even at that one point told him, I was like, okay, you need to go marry someone who can give you kids. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I felt worthless. But that that value that I attached to being able to, I don't want to say possess someone, almost ruined me then. So I laid in bed for three days. And then as usual, I just got my crap together and said, okay, let's get this right and let's do it right. And we were able to um, adopt Michael. Um, and I just, I just think to myself sometimes, as women, we do value, well, we, there was a whole generation, especially I'm 43 years old. There's a generation of us who place so much worth on what our kids accolades were instead of what we were doing. And now there's that reversion of that where we're coming back and saying, okay, I've got to restart my career after COVID. I've got to restart my career now that my kids are gone. And we've late, we've taken, at least from my perspective, a lot of folks have um, placed their name on their kids. back. Yes. Yes, and because of that, they are taking the back burner to it. Yes, putting yeah. everything in the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but for for the not being able to have a child, is it due to the injuries that you had? Because it was of the yes. Family? My father, my father raped me the night that I was um that he he. So yes, yeah, he raped me when I was seven years old, six, seven years old. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so there goes that. I, I once said that there's a chapter in my book that says no, it starts out. No man is probably going to date me after telling I say this. Sometimes I hate sex. I literally said that in a book because. For- and, and that's why I, the, the next question was, how did the abusive situation with your dad affect how you deal with men today? Yes. Oh, it really does. Um, there was a time where I would not be alone in a room with a man at all. And I, I've dated, I've been on two real dates in my life, my ex-fiance and then my ex-husband, because I was so fearful of what a man would do to me. Now I've overcome that and I have the greatest, makes me want to cry, I have the greatest big brother. His name, he's, he's not really my biological brother, but he's right. my best friend's brother. And his name is Dante. And he literally has shown me, 
you know, what a big, strong man can be like. I mean, he, this man is 6'4", he's gruff, he's rough, but he is just the sweetest guy right. when you can strip him down. So being around and placing yourself around right-minded people can can break that curse, I believe. Yes, yes, yes. Um, in terms of even the trauma that you have been through, in terms of help, have you even sought to get um, professional help to deal oh, with Oh, absolutely. Oh, 100%. I have been in therapy I, start, I went to, we, we realized that I was suffering from something. We did not know what it was. We flew, it was the weekend we got engaged. My husband proposed to me at the Vatican in Rome. My ex-husband proposed to me at the Vatican in Rome and I could not enjoy it. I literally could not enjoy that magical moment. And I remember us being sitting in the airport, getting ready to fly, fly home. And we're in this, this man has just proposed to me and the most holiest of holiest places. I've, I've had a trip that no little foster child could probably ever imagine. And I am so angry and so mad. And I think mm. it was now that looking back, it was the, the, the fear that now he wants me, but is he going to go? Is he going to leave once he, and I used to, I, I tra probably traumatized him with that. Are you leaving me? Are you leaving me? Are you leaving me? But I have a fantastic therapist that I see. And again, it goes back to being on the right medication for so long um, before this event that happened with my, my step, my, fo my foster adopted son, I was on the wrong medication. I was on a medication to mask the symptoms, not a medication to heal. Okay. Because there's a difference because you can mask the symptoms of whatever you're going through. Do you, you know how it is? If you've got a headache, mm -hmm. you've got a migraine and you take two Advil and you truly need to take a nap because you're exhausted. You're just masking the symptoms with those. But if you can heal yourself and get on the right prescriptions, which I am now, and I'm an advocate for medication. I'm an advocate for healing yourself with healthy foods and with meditation and finding, you know, who the God that you believe in or whoever that is, speaking with him and journaling and, and creating an environment and a wholeness place for yourself. If you are in a situation, and I'll just preach for a second. If you are in a situation where you are not at your best every day and you feel like something is dragging you down, you need to go because you only get one go around in this body. Mm -hmm. So there's no point in you wasting it. I'm not, I, I don't want to say divorce your husband tomorrow or to leave your wife, but you, or, and, and, or, or your children that could be torturing you, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you need to put yourself in a great environment because you're only, you can't pour for an, 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 an empty cup. People always say that. And that was what was happening a lot with me. Right. So for those people who are living in, in foster care or for those persons who want to adopt kids, that are in foster care, do you have any encouraging words for them or how to even maneuver being in that situation? Wow. That's, 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 I'm going to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I would love for our foster care system to be more complete and transparent about the children that are in foster care. And I would, and I'm a super, super pro proponent of foster to adopt. I am. But sometimes children come to us with so much, and I was one of those, I don't mm. know if I would have taken me in, with so much problems and baggage that we aren't mm. given as foster parents the ability to care for them properly. Right. So for let's say, for instance, with my son, Michael, when he came to me, if I'd known so much, if I'd had, I don't want to say a family portfolio, and a lot of times not everybody wants to be transparent about what happened to, to the child. Uh, because they just need to place them. But if we had more transparency, I think that would be great. So my advice, if you are thinking about foster care or foster to adopt, do it. Go in with your whole heart. But with that said, ask those questions. Dive deep. Dive deep. 
give me a call, text me, email me at my website, and I will be able to help navigate some of those waters for you. That's part of the platform that I speak on as well. So you're you're not telling them to not do it. You're telling no, them. No, I'm yes, yeah. I'm, I know that would be that sounds almost counterintuitive, especially after what I've gone through. But not mm-hmm. every I'm I'm a prime example of you don't look like what you've been through and you don't have to look like what you've been through. You know, mm-hmm. Michael had every opportunity to be a better person and to do things better and had the, had a great life. And he just went down a wrong path. If you're going to foster to adopt, I will. I am not a proponent of open adoptions. My um, mm-hmm. my youngest son, we did not do an open adoption with him. This child is he better be working on it. Is in the biomed. <laughs> Jay, you hear me? Uh, he's in the biomed program. He was ranked statewide in basketball, and we raise these kids the same. And then our other son, who um, uh, is older now, who met his biological uh, parents. He, it, I think there's something nature over nurture at a lot of times. Um, And and that nature can rear its head and you are just like, okay, this is what it is. And you just have to learn to navigate those waters. And we did for quite some time with Michael. We were able to navigate them quite well. But then it turned into... I think what happens naturally is when a child is born Mm -hmm. and they are in foster care without having their real parents, Mm -hmm. what happens is that the connection that is supposed to be there with a mother and child is no longer there that child grows up in a situation feeling rejected from the get-go. Mm-hmm. There is no child, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe personally that there's any child who will feel definitely that they are a part of a family. Oh, I totally. agree with that 100%. I, I have had so many great people, um, I, John and Lisa Morlock, who would come take me in, who wanted to adopt me, and who were a fantastic family. But I never felt. And that's one of the other things. I, I love that you brought that up. It looks, I love that. Because you're, you're exactly right. There's no love, true love, I think you could say, from a natural mother's love. Now, I love my children absolutely 100%. But I can yes. relate to them in saying, I know that you're going to say, when you're every year, you got to do that dang genetic code. Mm-hmm. I can answer those questions. And that brings that up every time. Yes. So I remember that. So I, I agree with that, that there will always be those feelings of rejection, but we are not rejecting you and we love you just like you came from us. Yes. Yes. That's a great, that's a great statement. Yes. Yes. Um, I just wanted that to be out there because sometimes, oh, yes. sometimes we, we have an idea that, you know, when we adopt kids mm-hmm. or we take on kids, we're doing everything and we just expect them to feel at home, to mm-hmm. feel safe, to feel like you're apart, but sometimes that will never happen. Right. And, and that goes back to that post-traumatic stress disorder. It could be something very, very simple with Michael, our son. We would wake up in the middle of the night and this kid has his own sweet bedroom and, and we would wake up and he would be laying in our floor because he was scared mm-hmm. because that's where he yes. slept with his birth mother. And yes. um, we're talking all the way up until he was like 17 years old. Sometimes he would come knock on or 16 years old before he left, come knock on the door, you know, Hey, I'm not sleeping well tonight. You know, I'm, you know, or can you leave your door open? Cause we, you know, as adults, we started sleeping with the door closed. Yeah. Right. But he would ask that, you know, so there were those moments where I can truly see that that a lot of foster children um, and and don't, I I guess that message with that going along with that is don't push those thought, those things aside. Oh, just go back to bed. Why? I wish I'd ask why. Why aren't Mm -hmm. you sleeping well? I wish. And I I fought myself for that. 
Mm. I mean, you can't fault yourself for it. Also, you didn't <laughs> well, know. You did not know. <laughs> there goes that that me thing again, taking it on my back. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not for you. You did not know. If you don't know, you can't help. If you right. don't know, you can't ask certain questions. So it's really not for you mm. to know. So now, what you can do, since I have been through that situation, experience mm. teaches wisdom. So it's now for you to also help persons. So if it is that you know, people are hearing this and it is that they have kids that come in and say, hey, I can't sleep, whatever. They know now to ask why and to help instead of saying, no, go back to your bed. Yeah, that makes exactly. sense. So it's not your cause. Well, I, I, I would love to, I, I hope that I can convey that. And I love that you said that. And I hope I can convey that as I go through to myself when I have those moments. Thank you for giving me. Yeah, that's also, that's also healing. Yes. It's also healing. So I want you to tell us, where it is that we can find you, Mandy. Okay. The easiest way to find me is my real, my legal name, amandalemon.com. Okay. And that's the uh, a website you can book with me, whether you want to be on, would like me to be on your podcast, have a motivational speak. And I also do 30 minute consultations for free okay. to see if you would like me to essentially be your mentor, um, whether it's as a foster parent or a foster child, or even just as a woman who is a career woman. I do okay. own a couple of businesses um, as well, not only just uh, what I do is for public speaking, but my Twitter is Mandy Lemon. My Instagram is Mandy.Lemon. So if you, and I'm pretty Googleable. <laughs> You can, <laughs> you can Google Google me. Some of it may not always be the best, but you can Google me and um, we'll, okay. we'll be there. That's, that's fine. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mandy, for being here. You are welcome. Thank you. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> and I mean, I learned about your experiences, which is good. And um, I guess we both learned from each other. Yes. From certain situations, you know, and healing. What I'm getting from this also is healing is still taking place. So no matter how long a trauma has taken place, sometimes we're still reliving it. It doesn't matter how long after. Exactly. And healing yeah. is imperative mm-hmm. in order for us to move forward in life and enjoy life. Yes, 100%. Most definitely. So thank you so much again for being on The Unfiltered by Jade. And we'll be back next week, Tuesday. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh.